Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is Matt Spiegel, and I can't wait to bring you Season 2 of the PBP, Voices of Baseball. The very best play-by-play voices in the game talk about their craft. It's a job so special that even Joe Buck told us he will probably go back to it. I'm 53, basically 54. I I think it's too early to say nevers at this point in my life. I think at some point I'll get the itch again. Incredible guests sharing great stories from your favorite teams coming this year. Find us on the Odyssey app or wherever you find podcasts. Podcasts. Good afternoon. Right on, baby. Yes, sir. Bears fans, this is Take the North with your hosts, David Hall. There has been a lot in what promises to be a busy offseason, whether it's speculation over the number one draft pick and Justin Fields being traded or the execution of the closing on the land in Arlington Heights. And Dan Weeder. The 2023 Bears are made for the offseason. They are a dream in terms of content, in terms of debates, in terms of talking points, in terms of developments. We're just getting started. We're going to take the North and never give it back. Welcome to the Take the North podcast on your free Odyssey app. I am David Haw from the Mullen Haw Show on 670 The Score. Dan Weeder is from the Chicago Tribune. He covers the Bears, obviously. He is at the NFL's owners' meetings in sunny Arizona. Dan, why do they never have those things in <laughs> Cleveland or Detroit? Yeah, uh, I can't imagine why. Uh, but this is my fifth time at this particular locale for these meetings at the Arizona Biltmore in Phoenix. And David, I can't tell you how well this event is run, how awesome it is to be here. The sun and the warmth is really, uh, it's getting into my bloodstream and I may not come back. So if you want to change the name of the podcast to Take the Southwest, I'm ready for it because it's, uh, be, it might yeah. be time. And be under consideration, they might have a better time and easier time winning that division anyway. So <laughs> when you look at what you're there for, I think just set the table in terms of overall, the best thing about it is what you described almost, the relaxed setting. You get access to the main decision makers, George McCaskey, yeah. Ryan Poles, Matt Eberflus, and Kevin Warren. Just overall, what purpose does it serve and how has it gone so far? Well, look, for, for the league, there's a lot of business that needs to be taken care of. They're sorting through health and safety initiatives. They're sorting through competition committee rules, change proposals. They're sorting through a lot of league business. And then from a media standpoint, I got to tell you, David, the craziest part is the first one of these I was at, you know, a, a decade plus ago in Minnesota when I was covering the Vikings, there was maybe 40 to 50 media members at these events. Now it's like 300. You can't turn without running into somebody else who's, uh, you know, running a TV show or a podcast or whatever else there is out there. And so the, the swarm of media is here and it's an, a week to get a lot of information from as you mentioned for our purposes from the chief decision makers of the bears kevin warren 
Obviously, he's going to start his job officially on April 17th. Ryan Poles, the general manager, is in the heart of, of one of the most pivotal and busy off-seasons in Bears history. Matt Eberflus, the coach of the team that's going to be put together uh, by the end of uh, the, the April predominantly and then George McCaskey the owner of the team so um, there's an opportunity to cover a lot of ground to get a lot of insight to get a lot of chatter uh, and then just to try to sift through it in the weeks and months ahead to figure out what it means for the direction of this team on many levels because again you and I both know that this is about more than the football team right now because there's a stadium project that's being explored and so that type of stuff is is all uh, in the in the conversation as well. No doubt about it. And you can catch all of Dan's coverage at chicagotribune.com. He's writing a story about everybody he talks to. Dan, let's start there because I feel like let's go back to the Ryan Poles interview. I think that may be some of the most significant stuff, at least so far. And I wanted to touch on a couple of things that you wrote about in your, in your coverage of that press conference, of that media session. Let's begin with the risk-reward calculus that he, I think, as you, I think, used the word hint, he hinted at a direction the Bears may be leaning. This all could be subterfuge. It all could right. be a misdirection. At the same time, it makes sense if it's not. It makes sense if, in regard to specifically Jalen Carter, that he showed and sounded a little bit more cautious than maybe we might have expected at, at this stage of the process. And just how, how did he address the Jalen Carter situation when asked about what he might do if he's there at number nine. Yeah, so I asked him directly on Monday afternoon how he would characterize the complexity of the valuation, given all that's happened with Jalen Carter from the, the, the legal standpoint uh, in, in late February, early March, from the pro day that the Bears were attending heavily earlier this month, and, and how they just kind of try to figure this out. And Ryan described it as a big puzzle. Those were his words, that it's a big puzzle that they're trying to put through. Um, and through a series of follow-ups that, that we, we all asked in the, in the group setting, uh, just try to get a feel for where his risk tolerance is. And, and it sounds like just given the, the current construction of the team and where they are in their building process, that Ryan is, is prioritizing the, the focus on the risks more than the um, sort of enthusiasm about the potential rewards in this case, because he feels like they're a young developing team that still needs to get a lot more in place to be in a position to take a big risk such as this. And when you have the number nine overall pick and you're picking in the top 10 and you've got so many needs around your roster, you want to try to make sure that you eliminate uncertainty as much as possible. You're never going to eliminate it fully. You may not even be able to eliminate it 50%, but it sure seems that that's the way they're leaning. Now, I will say this. I sat in Mobile, Alabama in 2017 and listened to Ryan Pace tell us that his ideal quarterback was a, a, a guy that had taken his college program and lifted it to new heights and shown a track record over years of playing high-level football. And everybody walked away from that and said, there's no way they're drafting Mitch Trubisky. And it turned out to just be a cover. You know, so it is the spring in the NFL. There is uh, you know, subterfuge, as you called it, and, and, and lying that goes on and, and concealing of intentions or whatever you want to call it. So we'll know for sure uh, in early May, late April, what, where the Bears landed on this. But it, it sure seems that if you're going to take Ryan as a straight shooter, that, that he is giving you his phil phil philosophy and how it marries up with sort of the philosophies that Matt Eberflus and Kevin Warren echoed in terms of their wants to build around players that meet the key core criteria that they've set forth for building their football team. I'll acknowledge that a lot of what we hear might be executives saying things they think they should say and maybe serving the masses or pandering to an audience. But I do wonder if there's a relationship between something else that was reported and what we're talking about. I think it was during the conversation with Ryan Poles, maybe it was Kevin Warren, but there's the, the understanding that 
George McCaskey, who's the chairman of the team, Kevin Warren, who is the president of the team, they will be involved in the decision whether or not to draft Jalen Carter. Now, on one hand, there's going to be those people who always believe separation of church and state. How dare you intrude on my football matters? On the other, and this is where I am, these are guys who are adults. These are guys who are professionals. Not that everyone's an adult here, but you have the chairman of the team whose family owns the franchise, and you have a president who has a track record uh, that is a very good one and got the job because of the way that he makes decisions and because of his judgment. Why wouldn't you want to rely on those resources? Why wouldn't they be involved? So I wonder, Dan, could that inclusion be why Ryan Poles might be a little bit more hesitant? Because those guys may think, you know what? Take the sure thing because our experience tells us you're going to be better off that way. Well, I, you know, I, I think it's a um, a group effort for, for real. I think that this this organization has, has developed those open lines of communication where n- nobody is necessarily kind of putting a heavy hand on things and saying this is what you should do. This is what you must do. They're sounding it out. And I think philosophically that Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflew share the philosophy of their owner and, and chairman and, the, and their team president of, of understanding, like, if we are going to express the need to develop a championship culture, one of our first headline moves can't be to bring in a, a potential disruption to the culture that we've expressed that is our vision to lay forth. And so, look, like I, I think what you speak to there is a, a topic that we can get to maybe a little bit later in this podcast. But the marriage between Kevin Warren and Ryan Poles right now seems to be very happy. Both of those gentlemen seem very energized by the other's presence and their ability to work hand in hand with one another, to sound out tough decisions, to collectively um, you know, crystallize a philosophy and a vision. And when you have that, it provides what Kevin Warren described yesterday as a calm. Like Kevin Warren said that, that, that for a three and 14 football team, there's a level of calm amongst the owner, the president, the general manager and the coach. That's atypical for a team that that, that is um, admired and struggle. Right. And trying to figure out their way up the mountain. Um, and so this is just part of the, the, the puzzle building process. And I think there is just that shared vision and the understanding that, hey, we have to we have to stay true to our vision and when, every time you deviate from it you introduce something that could be a an obstacle that didn't need to be introduced well let's look at that because i thought it was interesting too the kevin warren piece of this and your conversation with him with the other bears beat reporters i found it kind of I, I smiled i found myself grinning when it was described and maybe it was him maybe it was you but in your story he talked about more of a feeling like a college roommate that he yeah. had with Ryan Poles because of the familiarity that they achieved very quickly. And there was a comfort level with the two in terms of communicating, even though he doesn't take over till April 17th, he's been around the building and that comfort and that familiarity, I think is not insignificant. And I think if it helps create a confidence in making these tough decisions or maybe a confidence in the consensus or collaboration, that's not a dirty word anymore, guys. It's so I, I think it's an interesting thing to keep track of because there seems to be that fit very quickly. We have to be careful of describing these things and telling our audience why we deem them as notable and significant and separating that from an idea that this is forecasting some run of five to six championships up the road. Oh, we, we, we're we not right. there. No, yeah, right. I just want to yeah. be careful of that because I get pushed back a lot when I talk about what I think Kevin Warren's presence and his very, very uh, harmonious union with Ryan Poles could mean for the Bears going forward. And what you described there 
Um, it was Colleen Kane's story that that described them as uh, you know college roommates. There's a, there's just a a comfort level, but I, I I think what it does is create steadiness, right? And and we've demanded for years that the Bears have more steadiness, that they just show an ability to to not step in holes and and trip and stumble and do these things and when you have those steadiness and you have that clarity of vision and you have that the clear lines of communication it just makes everything run smoother and you need things to run smooth in order to make your way up uh, the, the mountain which again it's a cutthroat league with 31 other teams trying to do the same thing you're doing which is pursue a Lombardi trophy and to have that 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 vision and that, that ability to work together closely with one another. It's important. Now we've heard it before, right? We heard this with previous regimes and it ends up falling on uh, hollow times at, at some point, but I, I do think that there's something here, here that's notable. Well, I, I do too. And I, and I think all we're talking about is the evidence of consistency. Consistency is basically just predictable success. And when you have leaders who have had that kind of success, and I'm pointing straight to the top with Kevin Warren, it does stand out. Look, I've been covering this team. This is 20 years this week. You've been here for 10. And I think that when you're here that long and you see as many many examples of corporate dysfunction as we have, these kind of signs stick out. And so they're not insignificant. The one thing I also think was interesting, Ryan Poles, I'm sorry, Kevin Warren talked about Ryan Poles in terms of his IQ, his EQ, the fact that he was smart and intelligent, emotional intelligence, and the maturity that he brought into the decision to trade the number one overall pick when he did. What else did he have to say about that, Dan? Well, look, I, like, I think there was an understanding that, um, again, they were prepared, you know, and preparation is part of eliminating dysfunction. It's a, a part of creating steadiness. And the Bears knew going into this offseason that they were going to have some very difficult decisions. And they worked through their conversations. They worked through their hypotheticals. They worked through their evaluations. And when the offers came in, Ryan Poles told us that there were four legitimate offers on his table. And he didn't shop them against one another. He just knew what he had in his, his pocket. And he tried to figure out what was best. And when you had that addition to DJ Moore and the ability to move early on it, They just felt it was right to go down that path there. Talking to people around the league, David, most people within the NFL circles believe that the Bears got themselves a really, really good deal in this trade. And and one guy specifically who's biased, obviously, uh, Andy Reid, who worked with Ryan closely in Kansas City, um, said a a wonderful deal for the Bears to not only get a, a, a proven player, as part of the package, but then to just add picks, not have to move outside the top 10 and now give yourself the chance to add difference making players in this draft. Now we all know the chance and actually adding them are two different things. That's why the end of April is going to be so significant to where this bears team is ultimately going to go short term and long term. And that's as important as anything that we'll talk about from Arizona in March. But at the same time, you've got a, 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 an a, a evidence that the bears handled a very, very important decision in a way that was informed and smooth and and collaborative. Hey everyone, this is Brett Boone. Would you know it? I've got a podcast going strong in our fourth year. Tune in as I sit down with my friends, some of the biggest names in sports, media, entertainment, for a lot of fun and in-depth conversations. As you know, baseball's been my life. It's been in the family for a long time, but it's a lot more than that here. It's sort of like taking a ride in a golf cart around a beautiful track. Join me every week for multiple episodes on the Brett Boone Podcast, available on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. 
Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. So did Andy Reid know who DJ Moore was and Justin Fields was? Because I know he didn't know who Jordan Love was, and that created one of the funnier moments of the NFL owners' meetings. So what was interesting, David, the AFC Coaches Breakfast was Monday morning. Swarm of media around Robert Sala's table, obviously. Swarm of media around John Harbaugh's table, obviously. Swarm of media around new Broncos coach Sean Payton's table. When the Coaches' Breakfast started, there were two people sitting at Andy Reid's table. I just looked over at Zach Berman, who covers the Eagles. I said, that is the Super Bowl winning coach right here, right? And we just laughed because Andy was just left by himself, essentially, because there's so many other big stories going on around the league. Um, and it, it gave us an opportunity to, to pick Andy's brain on a few things. I don't know uh, if he remembers all these other players. I obviously had a brain fart on the Jordan Love situation. Um, but that's just a little glimpse into to, to kind of how the sausage is made here sometimes. And usually, uh, you're, you, as a, a media member who doesn't cover that specific team you have to wait 20 25 minutes to plug in one question but andy was had one kansas city writer next to him and so there was a chance to to dig in and to some fertile ground there early on in the in the breakfast so back to the quarterback situation in terms of the bears and ryan Poles talking about why he made the deal when he made the deal he said it came down to the tape and when they got to the nfl combine they were pretty sure about what direction they would go but they saw the nfl combine the workouts by the quarterbacks involved. And then it said it came down to the tape and Justin Fields' tape was better than any of the four projected first round draft picks uh, as quarterbacks. What did you make of that? Well, kind of what you hear publicly and privately is that this um, team has confidence in who Justin is inside the building. And that's kind of what they're using as fuel right now. It's a test that's going to play out in 2023 in terms of the significance and where Justin can take all this. Um, but just the, the idea that, that they, they know he has the intangibles. They felt like it gave him a leg up on some of the unknowns, you know, some of the guessing that they would have to do in the draft. And so that's kind of what steered their decision. Now they, they've, they've gone out and they've gotten him a playmaker in DJ Moore. They have acknowledged that they need to get more offensive line help. To, to, to sturdy that up before week one in September. Uh, but now you get a chance to, to roll the dice. And it, collectively, they all feel very confident that that decision was the right one. You and I will both keep our uh, our fingers on this page and say, hey, let's not turn too far away from this because the Bears did have an opportunity in the offseason of 2023 to turn the page if they wanted and chose not to. Um, and so we just have to remember what they passed up from uh, every single player in the draft standpoint to stay the course with Justin Fields, which we've advocated that they do. We, we will do that. But I think we need to remind people of what you just said and how you concluded there. I do believe the smartest thing to do at this stage of Justin Fields' career, of Ryan Poles' tenure, Matt Eberflus's tenure, is to see it through. Mm-hmm. I, I That doesn't mean – okay, and I think we might, I might be splitting hairs here, but I think this is a podcast. We can do that. <laughs> <laughs> this, is, this is the difference. I think that you can project that this is the right thing for the Bears at this time because Justin Fields looks special and is worth investing in, and you build around him, and you take your chances with this quarterback because you believe in him. I don't think that means that what you saw on tape from Bryce Young, from C.J. Stroud, those two specifically, means that 
that Justin Fields' NFL career is going to be better than theirs. I don't know if that's the same thing, Dan. I, I understand why the Bears, to me, this was more of a practical statement than it was a profound one. The profound one would be, all right, we believe and we're starting over with Bryce Young. We're starting over with C.J. Stroud. We're going to move on because we we think that's the best way to get to the Super Bowl. And and I just don't know if that would have made as much sense to me as what they're doing now, even though it's conceivable to me. I don't think this says they think Justin Fields is going to be a better NFL quarterback than these two other guys. I just think this says this is the most practical path back to the playoffs. Yeah, I don't disagree with you, but I do think that there is something to be said. You know, there's a difference between practicality and long-term production results, and you have to make sure that practicality doesn't become the engine of everything you do because then you may miss an opportunity to to make a decision that that might serve the franchise better long-term. Look, again, this is going to be a fascinating 2023 season, and you understand that Justin's going to have to make developmental leaps himself. He's going to have to count on people around him both within the coaching staff and his supporting cast to help him make those developmental leaps. And the Bears have to get better there. I think roster-wise, one of the most notable things to come out of the the sessions we've had here this week, David, is the acknowledgement from Ryan and and Matt that – the lines don't look like they want them to look. They've been open and saying, like, we, we we have a work in progress there. We haven't gotten enough help up front. And the understanding that you and I have that the, the front lines on both sides of the ball are so critical, it should give you a little bit of, uh, of anxiety as the Bears work towards the draft. Now need-based, more than flexible-based. Now going into a, a wave of free agency that a lot of people in the league are talking about after the draft, where there's some of these veteran guys that are still hanging out there and want to see the landscape settle right in the draft and then find out okay who drafted who and where are the opportunities for me now that now that you haven't got the the payday that you want now you're seeking opportunity right and so now the bears are going to have to monitor that as well as the draft but you and i both sit here today understanding that neither the offensive line or the defensive line puts the bears in position to be competitive on a meaningful level in 2023 so now you got to go go to work here in the next six to seven weeks to make sure it looks better by the time you hit otas okay good with what ryan pole said good with what kevin warren said he talked Talked about Arlington Heights. Nothing has changed there I, I, that I could see, Dan. I think it's all pretty much going to take a lot of time. There are going to be updates along the way. I want to get into what Matt Eberflus said from a football perspective because what I, what you just said was also pretty surprising to me how open they were in acknowledging that basically they don't have lines that they trust yet and they're going to have to rely on the draft as heavily as they will. I also found it interesting that Matt Eberflus, after basically last fall – uh, reinforcing this idea that they needed Roquan Smith in that example to make more plays on the ball yeah. and yeah. the off the ball linebacker needs to do that to me today sounded very on Tuesday trying to justify why Tremaine, uh, Tremaine Edmonds wasn't that guy but can learn to be that guy because he's going to play the middle and that's where that that job is going to require him to do more it's why, as a reporter, you're so driven at events like this to get stuff on record, to understand what the vision was, to see what the philosophy was in signing a guy, to understand what they see that guy doing and, and what role they see him filling. And in the case of Tremaine Edmonds, Matt Eberflus was pretty emphatic in saying he's going to be our Mike linebacker, that his range and athleticism is, is really beneficial to pass defense in the middle of the field and taking away uh, things for, for an opposing offense. But with that comes this idea that ball production can be taught. Tremaine Edmonds doesn't have it over his first five seasons in the league, and Matt believes that the hits principle and all the things they emphasize on a period-by-period, practice-by-practice, day-by-day basis at Hellas Hall will change his mindset and create more ball production. Okay, great. Now let's see it play out. 
That's the, the hypothesis. Now let's do the experiment, right? And let's go into it in 2023 and, and, and figure out where it heads because there's certainly nothing on Tremaine Edmonds' resume right now that says this guy is going to be highly productive at taking the ball away, which is a key component of the hits philosophy. And so now the Bears are, are making it a huge investment that they can get that done from a coaching standpoint and from a development standpoint. And I also would just, I, I want a clarification, I guess, Dan, and maybe he followed up with this, but in the scheme, I was all, we were always have been led to believe the weak side linebacker is the, is the power position. The one place right. where you want somebody who's going to clean up everything and make the big play. And that's where you put your guy. That's why it surprised me a little bit. That isn't necessarily TJ Edwards. TJ Edwards is the guy who played in the middle in Philadelphia, if I'm not mistaken, he was the guy who was in the middle of everything. And not, it, it may be a subtle difference, but I don't know how significant it is. Well, and subconsciously, I wonder, you know, Matt Eberflus played linebacker. Matt Eberflus coached linebackers. Is the, is the linebacker in him um, just subconsciously making him gravitate and, and creating a magnetic force that brings him to linebackers that he likes watching. And oh, by the way, you still need a pass rush. And the, the, the biggest guy you've signed from a pass rush standpoint is a guy that Mike Vrabel spoke very highly of this week, but said played predominantly inside uh, it, with the production he had last year in Tennessee and Demarcus Walker. And so you've got a lot of work to do there to get you the interior defensive line up to speed, to get your edge guys up to speed. And now you've, you've made these investments in linebackers and you've got to make that pay off. That's got to become uh, something that, that turns dividends for you as a defense if you're going to make those investments and ignore these other parts of your defense and so um look like they've got a lot of work to do and it's why you know right here you know in the last week of march in, in arizona in 2023 we're we're not proclaiming the bears on on the the express uh, lanes toward the playoffs a couple other tidbits i want to know if they touched on i think i read this in, in various different reports number one Nate Davis, is he going to be sticking at right guard and Tevin Jenkins perhaps could begin at left guard if that's indeed the way they plan to go? And secondly, I know Luke Getze wasn't there necessarily, but somewhere in one of the reports, I think I saw a reference to the Bears using more two tight end sets to take advantage yeah. of Colt Komet and Robert Tunyon. Matt Eberflew spoke pretty um excitedly on Tuesday morning about the combination of, of, of Bobby Tunyon, as he called him, and Cole Komet and what they can do. To, <laughs> I love that. What, what they can do together. Bobby and Bobby and Cole will get, will get their uh, band going there. And they think that there's some complimentary skills between those two guys. So, so keep an eye on what Luke is able to um, kind of utilize with those two guys together and, and, and how that will work. Uh, what was the other part of your question? Cause I know there was something. Tevin there. Jenkins at left. Oh, yeah. Guard yeah. Thank you for right bringing that up because Ryan Poles was pretty emphatic on Monday at saying Tevin Jenkins currently right now today would slot in at left guard. Nate Davis would be your right guard. Cody Whitehair would bump into center, but everything with this offensive line is very fluid and the bears are going to get through the draft and they're going to see what they get done in the draft. And then you're going to determine, do we want to keep Braxton Jones at, at, at left tackle or do we want to bump him over to right? Is he comfortable enough playing right that, you know, we could use him there or what do we got to do to, to kind of to fill in this line? With Tevin Jenkins, there was a, a, an acknowledgement by Ryan that obviously the durability and dependability piece is something that they track, something that they keep their eye on, that Tevin's going to have to earn a role and then retain a role because obviously you, you and I have said it on the podcast, 34 games over two seasons in the league, he's played 11 games where he's uh, been on the field for more than 50% of the offensive snaps. Ryan Poles isn't blind to that. He didn't pick him. He didn't trade up to get him a couple years ago. He knows that he just needs difference makers on his offensive line. And Tevin Jenkins is going to have to earn everything he gets. Right now, that's going to be at left guard. But if they ask him to take on a backups role or if they, they there's been no discussion about trying him again at tackle, um, they are they're going to push him to to prove that he belongs as part of their their puzzle on the offensive line. And that's going to get um, shaken up here 
on draft weekend because you and I both expect them to draft at least one offensive lineman, and hopefully they have multiple guys that they're introducing at Hallis Hall on the last week of April. It's impossible to guess a month before the draft, but this week Brad Biggs, our colleague, had uh, Roderick Jones as the guy mocked to the Bears at number nine. We've talked about Paris Johnson Jr. I have been imprisoned by that moment. I love that pro day. He looks like a guy that would be plug and play. And then there are those who are clinging to the Peter Skronsky dream. And the local guy made good. And Ryan Poles talked about how local guys starting for the Bears is a good idea because of the culture. You have three tackles that could be plug and play. You're getting any sense if there's any leaning in either direction. No sense. No sense. And we're going to have to let that play out. Uh, Ryan Poles did talk a little bit about, um, you know, just the, the significance of arm length and, and the idea that you have to look into that. Ryan Poles is an offensive line himself. He knows what the importance is and what that can do uh, as a tool in your toolbox. And so, look, like they're going to go through this evaluation process. They feel really, really uh, strongly about the work they got done on their, you know, visits to the pro days in, in, in the last couple of weeks. They obviously have top 30 pre-draft visits coming up here in the coming weeks to further their evaluations on everybody. Uh, they'll be prepared come draft weekend, but I have no sense of, of which direction they're leaning right now. Last couple of things. So Dante Foreman is somebody who is coming off a strong second half of the season with Carolina. Did you get any sense of how he's being, you know, is he number one, RB1? Is he going to be the backup? Is it shared with Khalil Herbert? And how might his role be affected by if they draft a running back? Are they looking for a starter in the middle of the draft? So uh, this is one of those conversations where you got to kind of read between the lines and kind of pick apart the words a little bit because there is an expression that they want their backfield tandem to be very similar to what Montgomery and Herbert were a year ago. And, you know, they're looking for somebody that can hit some some breakaway runs. They're looking for the hard runner that can get the tough yards and push piles and and break tackles. And they want a combination of that. Now you got to figure out, is uh, Khalil Herbert's job safe? Is Deontay Foreman's job safe? Do they draft a guy in April and then make those guys compete for a role, which is what good teams do, right? You don't just say, ah, we've got a guy, so let's just settle there. If you find somebody that can push it a little bit, then go get them and, and bring in the competition and see if you can upgrade there. I did find it notable that both Matt Eberflus and Ryan Poles expressed, I would call it disappointment that David Montgomery didn't wind up back in the locker room at Hallis Hall. They felt like they made him um, a pretty good offer. They felt like they were pretty clear in their communications. And, and Ryan Poles' words were players have a choice too. And it sounded like David Montgomery just uh, made the decision to, 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 to move on. And uh, as Ryan Poles noted, he decided to move on within the division. And we all know how David Montgomery runs. You would expect the two times that the Lions are on the Bears schedule that <laughs> an angrier, feistier, more motivated David Montgomery will be on the football field. And that's hard to imagine because that dude is angry feisty and motivated at all times i found that very interesting because it sounded like the way that it was presented david montgomery chose the lions over the bears and this and the offers were very similar so in that context speaking of the lions good segue curious i know it's unrelated to the bears but in all the lamar jackson chatter Look, the Lions have two first-round draft picks. They've got a team that is now the trendy pick in the NFC North. If Aaron Rodgers goes to New York, if the Vikings continue to dismantle, is there any talk, rumors, innuendo, whatever the case may be, that the Lions would be in on Lamar Jackson? If there is, it's not loud enough for me to hear it over the the birds uh, chirping from this this palm tree here. You know, I mean, I, like there's going to be Lamar Jackson um, speculation and rumor and everything that swirls around until that situation is resolved and it obviously continues to, to drag out and do so in a very dramatic fashion. Um, I sense that the Lions feel really, really strongly about what they got out of Jared Goff last season and are, are confident to ride 
that out a little bit and see where it takes them. Who knows what they'll do in the draft? Who knows what, uh, kind of what their long-term vision is? But I will say this, that the, you know the vibe that you get talking to people both who cover the Lions and who are around the league is that there's definite reason to be um, impressed by where the Lions are headed. And, and if you're the Bears, concerned about <laughs> their positioning to potentially seize this opening that, that, that opens up with uh, Aaron Rodgers out of the division and, and the, the Vikings likely taking a small step back. And it's like, well, damn, is it the Detroit Lions who are positioned now to with a young core of talented playmaking guys on both sides of the ball to, to put their claws in this division and make life hell on you for a little while? And so that's a really interesting storyline. Obviously, it'll play out on the field in the fall of 2023, but there is no shortage of, of uh, sort of encouraged feelings about the Lions around the league. All right. I know you have people to talk to and golf courses to hit. So I'll just leave one more, one more question that I have. And it's an important one. So with the rules changes, it's very important for me to know and our audience to find (laughs) out which Chicago bear will wear number zero. That's a good question. Um, Is there a nickname that can be given with zero in the middle of it? You know, we've got somebody's going to because as the rules change it, it can't be an offensive lineman it can't be a defensive lineman it will be somebody though i bet somebody gets zero imagine the marketing possibilities uh, yeah there's there's something there um we'll see that's a big rule change a lot of the the rules changes that were talked about a lot didn't get passed the one that i was most curious about was there was a competition committee recommendation that they go to the college rule in terms of fair catches on kickoffs you fair catch a football at the three yard line you get it at the 25 that got zero momentum here at the league meetings despite the the competition committee's recommendation and so uh that one died on the vine uh there were a couple other things that that, that kind of died out on the vine including the the review of roughing the passer penalties which i think fans are all in favor of coaches don't like for some reason, they're, they're, they're adamantly opposed to that. That one didn't get off the ground here. And so that'll be a, a talking point, obviously, going into uh, 2023 as well. And we always talk about that, that onside kick, the fourth and 20 alternative there. Nobody <laughs> in football circles wants that to go anywhere. And that thing gets uh, shot down with the, the biggest cannon you can find when it's brought up. Smart people. Any Robbie Gold chatter? No Robbie Gold chatter. Uh, I did have dinner on Sunday evening with Zach Zaidman, who is, uh, is certainly on the board of the Robbie Gold fan club. Uh, he's interested to see where Robbie ends up. Zach, probably the most loyal, or at least in the top five of listeners to the Take the North podcast. So I figured I'd give him a shout out on this podcast because he loves to uh, tell us what we're right about. And, and occasionally when you're having a, a margarita and some chips and salsa with him, he'll tell you several the things that he, he adamantly thinks you're wrong about. So I got an earful on uh, on Sunday night about Some, a few of those. Sometimes so. it's just coffee, Dan. It just <laughs> depends on what Zach is drinking. And my wonder on the number of times that Zach probably reminded you that he picked UConn to get to the final four is probably seven. And I, I'll Many. take the over. Yeah. Many over, over for yeah. sure. Yes, that, that is true. Um, one last little n- nugget for you. Um, I had a, a chance to visit with Kevin Warren one-on-one on Sunday afternoon for something long range. I'm going to, pump something out later this week that's a little shorter range but kevin's ability to express his vision is really impressive and it's really contagious if you're somebody that likes to strive for big things you're going to love working for kevin warren inside the bears organization and so i have a a great intrigue in kind of seeing this play out because can kevin warren turn philosophy 
into fuel that creates results. That's the big test. But in terms of his ability to articulate what he wants from the people that work um, with him, for him, and, and, and in pulling the, the, the rope in the same way, it's really impressive. And you feel the way that's already rubbed off on the guys we've talked about, Ryan Poles and Matt Eberflus, and to some extent, George McCaskey. And there's something real there, David, and something for us to keep a pulse on. Obviously, there's a lot of work ahead, and Kevin's going to have a, a lot of his focus on the stadium issues in the short term and really for the next you know several years. But I, I, I just tell you that that listening to him talk, it's like reading one of the more energizing self-help books that you'll ever read. You just get up and you go, man, like that guy makes me want to go accomplish something today. You know, and if you can infect the building with that mentality, um, as somebody here told me, complacency is Kevin Warren's number one enemy. Well, welcome to 1920 Football Drive, Mr. Warren. Like get to work, because obviously I think that will be something that uh, will be worth monitoring. That's great. I look forward to that because he is attacking an enormous challenge at a historically stagnant organization. So we'll see um, who wins that tug of war. All right, Dan, that's good stuff. Look forward to our next podcast. We covered a lot on this one. You can get the Take the North podcast on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You want to watch it? You can do that and see all the nice scenery in the background for Dan. I was going to say if you are watching this, just know that I couldn't see David the entire episode. I'm staring right into the bright sun. I, I have been squinting the whole time, so I apologize for my squints, but I, I assume it's good to see you, David. And I, oh, it's I hope great. It was, yeah, great I hope to it was see good you for you to see what you're missing uh, out on here. Wonderful. I love Arizona. I have been there in a while, but yeah, thank you for very much. And you can watch that on the 670 The Scores YouTube page, and you can tweet at us at Take the North Pod if you wish. So for Adam Studzinski and Dan Weeder out in the desert, I'm David Haw. Thank you for listening to the Take the North podcast and watching, and we will talk to you next time. Great talk. See you out there.